Hey everyone, welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast from HorrorGeekLife.com. I'm your host, Melissa, and I would like to say happy October. As the spooky season has officially kicked off, I wanted to talk about a show that's near and dear to my heart, which is the original Twilight Zone. The show aired for the first time on October 2nd, 1959, and I thought it would be a great time to dive into a few fun trivia facts about the show. But before we do that, let's talk about a few news topics that we covered on Horror Geek Life here recently. The big news from the last week is that Victor Miller has won a big appeal in the Friday the 13th legal battle. So as you may already know, Victor Miller is a writer in the original Friday the 13th film, and he has been in a lawsuit with Sean Cunningham and Horror Inc. over the rights of Friday the 13th for quite some time. That is why the franchise is completely tied up and we're not seeing anything new. So with this latest victory, Miller is set to reclaim the rights for Friday the 13th. It should be said, though, that they are only the domestic rights. Sean Cunningham and Horror Inc. will still have all foreign rights. And Miller's rights only pertain to the child version of Jason Voorhees that we saw in the first film. Of course, Cunningham could still take this case back to appeals or have it heard by even the Supreme Court. But considering this is Victor Miller's second win, I'm hoping that maybe both sides see that it's time to sit down, settle this thing, and move forward with the franchise like the fans want. But of course, who knows what will happen as we have covered this for quite some time now. So fingers crossed. So October would not be complete without a Joe Bob special. And Joe Bob's Halloween Hoedown is premiering on October 8th on Shudder. The guests are going to be Halloween Kills director David Gordon Green and Blumhouse's founder and CEO Jason Blum. The movie selection is yet to be announced, so you'll probably just have to tune in and see what they're playing. They do promise that it's going to be something scary. And again, that is October 8th on Shudder. And the last bit of news is that the second trailer for the Chucky TV series is out. The show picks up after the events of 2017's Cult of Chucky, and it follows a teenager who buys a good guy doll at a yard sale in his suburban town, which of course happens to be Chucky. Don Mancini, who penned the film franchise, wrote the television adaptation and will direct the first episode, and he also serves as the showrunner. The show premieres on USA Network and Sci-Fi on October 12th. You can check that trailer out at HorrorGeekLife.com. And I have to say, as someone who is a bit skeptical about this series, the trailers actually look pretty good. So I'm excited to see where the story goes. So let's talk about The Twilight Zone. As I mentioned, the show aired on October 2nd, 1959, and it continued until June 19th, 1964. The five seasons gave us 156 episodes total and has gone on to inspire countless works of fantasy, sci-fi, and horror. I think many of us, myself included, grew up on this show and it really had a huge impact in shaping our love of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, the macabre, the whimsy, just everything that this show throws in. When I was young, I would watch the show with my dad, and he would always tell me that Rod Serling was a man ahead of his time. Of course, at that age, I couldn't really comprehend what that really meant. But now that I'm an adult, and I still binge these episodes that I have seen numerous times, I fully understand what my dad meant. Because yes, 
The themes in this show are still relevant today in 2021, and there were so many ideas and plots that were truly ahead of its time. So with that, let's dive into some trivia about the show that maybe you did or didn't know. One of the most memorable episodes of the series is The Mass. It's about a wealthy man, played by Robert Keith, who is on the brink of death in his New Orleans mansion. His family comes to wish him goodbye, but of course they have ulterior motives, as they are not so secretly waiting for the man to die, so that they can claim his fortune. But there's a hitch. For them to claim their fortune, they must wear grotesque warp masks that he chose for them until after midnight. The entire family put on their masks and they ghoulishly sit around and wait for the man to die. Once he dies, they celebrate, take off their masks, and there they realize that they now look like their masks. Not only are they ugly on the inside, but they are now indeed ugly on the outside. Although there are many episodes which dive into the horror genre, this one is certainly at the top, and that's why it makes it even more awesome that this was the only episode in the entire series that was directed by a woman. Ida Lupino was the director on this, along with being the only female director in the entire series. She is the only person that acted in an episode and directed another episode. She was also the star of episode number four, The 16mm Shrine, about an aging film star who is not letting go of her glory days. The episode premiered in 1964, and it was definitely a huge milestone for a woman, and it's even better that it's such a wonderful and memorable episode. The Mass also serves as the last role for actor Robert Keefe as he passed away two years after. So although most of us look back at the series with much affection and love, that doesn't mean that every episode is created equal. So here are the good and the bad according to audience reviews. So first the good, and this comes at no surprise. It is Eye of the Beholder. Eye of the Beholder, not only did it have a great moral and a great story, but it had one of the best twist endings of the entire series. It is about a woman who undergoes surgery on her face 11 times, hoping to finally become beautiful like everyone else around her. As the show goes on, this woman's bandaged face is finally revealed, showing that she is a beautiful, of course, by our standards, a beautiful woman who happens to live in society where everybody has a pig snout and warped lips and a face that our society would consider beautiful. But of course, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And again, a great moral, a great twist, and zero surprise that it is at the top of audiences list. Now for the opposite and at the bottom of this list, which is Cavender is Coming. It's really a shame that this one is at the bottom, which by the way, I don't disagree because it stars comedian Carol Burnett, who is an absolute comedic genius. Burnett stars as Agnes Grepp, who is a clumsy, unemployed, awkward woman and a guardian angel is sent to help her before he can earn his wings. So the original episode actually had a laugh track, which was later removed, but the episode was supposed to serve as a pilot for a spinoff. Obviously, that did not take off, and it's not really one that's viewed kindly on today. Along with that, Rod Serling also had his favorites. 
In an interview that was unearthed, he revealed a couple of his favorite episodes, and the first one was The Invaders, starring Agnes Moorhead, who also played Samantha's mom in Bewitched. The show was written by Richard Matheson, who wrote many of the episodes throughout the series, and Serling described it as pure science fiction with a very O. Henryish twist. This is an episode that has stuck with me my entire life. The episode sits on the shoulders of Agnes Moorhead, and she does a brilliant job despite the zero dialogue. She plays a woman who is in her remote house being harassed and tortured by men from outer space. Of course, this is another episode with a fantastic twist. And Serling is definitely right that it is pure science fiction and it is brilliant. Another episode that he named is now a fan favorite and one that we have seen so many parodies of. And that is Time Enough at Last starring Burgess Meredith. So this was an adaptation by Serling, and it was about a bank teller who all he wants to do is read, but nobody will let him. His wife won't let him. His employer won't let him. So when he is in a bank vault as the entire world ends, and he comes out and sees that civilization has ceased to exist except for him, he is excited because he now finally has time to read his books. But of course, his glasses fall and break almost immediately meaning that he is just stuck there without the one pastime that he wants. And then the third episode to mention was actually not mentioned by Rod Serling, but by his daughter, Jody Serling, who said that Walking Distance was one of her dad's favorites. Walking Distance was written by Rod Serling and follows a man who goes back to his hometown and finds it exactly as it was in the 1930s, including his parents. This episode was a favorite of his because it was a very personal story for Rod Serling as he was dealing with the loss that he had because he never saw his father due to being in the army when his father died. So going back and watching this episode with that thought in your head, it puts it in a whole new perspective. A somewhat similar episode to Walking Distance was A Stop at Willoughby. A stop at Willoughby follows a man who is just tired of his everyday life. And after falling asleep on the commute train, he wakes up in 1888 in the town of Willoughby. After this happens a few times, he just doesn't want to leave. And in some ways, he never does. But to celebrate this episode, Willoughby, Ohio, which is the only town in America with that name, has hosted the annual event Last Stop in Willoughby. Of course, there are plenty of trains of all kinds, and even Anne Serling, Rod's daughter, has been in attendance. The festival coordinator claims that Rod Serling would stop in Willoughby via the train on his way to upstate New York. However, there are also speculations that the episode was actually named after Willoughby Avenue in Hollywood. Now, when you take into account that there are several episodes within the series that take place in Ohio... It could be that he really was inspired by Willoughby, Ohio, but it's one of those things we'll never know. I definitely think that Willoughby, Ohio can have the legacy either way. Another episode which has spawned countless parodies and inspirations is It's a Good Life. It's a Good Life is actually a pretty dark episode, and it follows a small town which is under the thumb of a boy who has supernatural powers. Now, among the things that this episode has inspired, including The Simpsons, when Bart Simpson is actually the one who has these powers, but also a really fun mission in Fallout 3. 
Now, why am I mentioning Fallout 3 out of everything this episode has inspired? It's probably because of the hundreds of hours I've put into Fallout 3. So when I came across this, I thought it was just really fun to see it within the game and knowing what the source material was. So in the quest Tranquility Lane, the player has to enter a virtual reality simulation where things are really, really good. But of course, it's Fallout and nothing is as it seems. So you find out that the entire town is under the rule of an insane child. That child named Betty is actually incredibly creepy and very satisfying to beat. But I just wanted to mention that. And for those of you who have played Fallout 3, hopefully you remember this quest and you remember the moment that you were able to beat Betty. Now, speaking of games, there have been a few Twilight Zone themed games released. The most well known is probably Midway Games Pinball, but there's actually a board game that remains kind of elusive. Put out by Ideal in 1964, the Twilight Zone game consists of a playing board, spinning wheel, playing cards, and four player pieces. When you go searching for this game, as I certainly have, it is not only rare, but when you do find it, it is pretty pricey. But if any of you out there have ever played it or ever seen it, I would love to hear from you. So I mentioned that episodes have inspired numerous filmmakers, authors, game devs, you name it, over the years. So filmmaker Jordan Peele of Get Out and Us fame is, of course, no stranger to the Twilight Zone because he co-created the 2019 revival series for CBS All Access. And now it certainly doesn't come close to standing up to the original, but obviously this show is a passion for Peele because it also inspired his 2019 film Us. Mirror Image is one of Rod Serling's classic episodes, and it follows a woman who is waiting at a bus station who repeatedly sees her doppelganger. As she continues to see this person, those around her think that she's crazy, but she knows what she's seen. In the end, she suffers a pretty similar fate as the lead in Us. To this day, it's still one of the creepiest episodes, and it's pretty cool to see Jordan Peele take that thought and run with it all these years later. So next, we're going to take a detour from talking about the creepier episodes and talk about one of the more whimsical episodes, which is The Bewitchin' Pool. The Bewitchin' Pool is the very last episode of the entire series, and it follows two children who want to escape their parents' endless bickering, which is leading to a divorce. They discover that diving to the bottom of their pool leads them to a rural swimming hole where children can live simple yet happy lives with each other and an old kind woman named Aunt T. Now, the last time I watched this episode, I had to back it up a few times because something just sounded so off and it drove me crazy enough that I had to get on the internet and research what am I hearing because I just couldn't quite place it, even though it was really familiar. So it takes place when the kids are outside and the daughter, Sport, played by Mary Badham, is talking. Apparently, due to backlot noise, the cast had to re-record their lines, which were later dubbed over, but they realized that Mary's voice still needed work only when she returned home to Alabama. Instead of flying her all the way back to L.A., voice actress June Foray, who is known for many, many, many roles, but also as Rocky the Flying Squirrel, actually recorded her lines, which they dubbed over for the outdoor scenes. So if you go back to this episode, which again is the very last episode of the series, you will absolutely hear the voice of Rocky take over when this young girl is sitting poolside outside. 
It is one of those things that took me completely out of the episode, but it's now one of my favorite trivia facts because of how obvious it was and because of the name that's actually behind the voice. So go back and listen to that and enjoy. So the last thing I want to dive into is, of course, William Shatner of Star Trek fame is in two of the most memorable episodes, Nick of Time and Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. But he's not the only Star Trek alumni to appear on the show. Both Leonard Nimoy and George Takei were both in World War-themed episodes. Nimoy was in the episode Equality of Mercy, and Takei was in the episode The Encounter, while James Doohan starred in Valley of the Shadow. And the crossover doesn't stop there, as the two shows actually shared various spaceship noises within a few different episodes. And Star Trek isn't the only sci-fi property that has crossed over with the Twilight Zone, the other being the 1956 sci-fi film Forbidden Planet. Even Robbie the Robot himself is in the Twilight Zone. Altogether, there are 12 different episodes in which you can find various props from Forbidden Planet if you look close enough. And that wraps up the Twilight Zone trivia for this episode. If you have any trivia that I didn't talk about, please hit us up on social media and let us know because I would love to hear about it. So thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Horror Geek Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow if you enjoy the show and connect with us on social media at Horror Geek Life. And I'm at Horror Geek Mel on Instagram. Until next week. Oh, 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 oh,